Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and I wrote an article for my high school newspaper that got all the hippies mad at me. I'm Tommy Rico, and my friends and I used to call the police on ourselves to make it into our local town's newspaper police blotter, including gems like Rude Man Belches Loudly at Public Park. I'm Julie Harrison Harney, and my high school wouldn't let us start a newspaper because, quote, the only source for reliable information should be coming from the school administration, unquote. And we're excited because today we're going to be joined by a real-life actual wrestling journalist, Kevin Kellum from Sports Kita. But first, it's time for the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. So what did we think of last night's Raw? I, I say we, we jump right into Ms. TV, John. Yeah, Just like they well, did. that's what they did. They must have heard us last week. Uh, but Ms. TV, not just any Ms. TV, Paul Heyman is on Ms. Oh, TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What is going on? This is, this is unbelievable. It's like when Rodney used to go on Johnny Carson. It's like, what do you do? Who's well, leaving? They were, they were trying to sell money in the bank better than they sold the raw tickets in Kansas that night because apparently there were a lot of good seats available. Um, but oh. by the way, shout out to Kansas, light crowd, good crowd, really into it the whole show. That was nice to see. Yeah, they, they were a good crowd. They were a fun crowd. Uh, but it was interesting to me because Paul Heyman's out there and uh, he's such a good he's such a good performer. Can I just I I think I texted you guys while I was watching. Julie, was you like, already I worked could, for him. You don't need to. I know. He likes I you already. But that, that's he, how he you know you. That's how you know it's true, though, because I I could sit and and listen again. I don't know. I might. Why don't be. you just reach out to him and he'll he'll talk to you. Well, I mean, I, do, I, you, I would do love a one on one interview and just we'll just next time he's in New York. I want to sit down at Pastrami King. Oh, gosh. Paul Heyman. That's what I want. That's he's what going I want. to but say. He, he's going to say, I need to ask you before I put on my napkin. Mr. Reinman is not going to be joining. Oh, jeez, No, no. Paul knows. Paul knows well, how to play. Half of he's New York fun. says that when they sit down. He's, it's well, that I won't deny. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, the first but, five minutes will be Paul just like looking through everything on the table, checking for bugs. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, and, and by bugs, I mean listening devices. I, I'm not talking about also, the cleanliness it's of New the York, but there also could be bugs. Cheese with honey mustard. Oh, my gosh. I know. He, I could. I could. Fries. I've heard the same story told by Paul on multiple occasions. And I'm he tells he's literally told me one story three times because it's a different mm -hmm. group of people. And I was riveted all three times. I don't That's know how rare, he does it. Because I know it's, it's surprising in comedy. I guess it's because we get used to doing jokes over and over. That's actually a very common problem with comics. That's it should That's be, true, actually. Is telling is to in a social setting on being unaware of telling the same story. Over and over, I can think of three play, three people at three different places I worked for, like throughout my life that did that, and it was like, uh, and they were like people where I was like, you must have like three hundred stories. Why do you pick the same five? But Paul does. The Catskill stories were always my favorite. Do you ever talk? Uh, do you ever talk about going up to the Catskills when he was a kid? I don't know. I don't. That's think what I, I wanted to talk to him about here. Like uh, he saw, I think it was Buddy Hackett, oh and my gosh. Uh, yeah, but his story. But he talked about. He recited like the whole first like five jokes that in the stand-up set, and he knew. And there was also a character, a guy by the name of Brother Theodore. Tom, you know Brother Theodore, right? From I the think Burbs? so. He's the he's the guy from the Burbs that's oh, yeah. parked across the street all day, like that movie. If anyone's seen that, my pit, my favorite Tom Hanks movie, maybe the Burbs. Hmm. And Brother Theodore is a big influence for Paul. He used to come on David Letterman in the '80s and do Paul Heyman. 
look, everyone look up Brother Theodore, David Letterman. They have on the official Letterman, but I sent that to Paul and he and I were talking about it. And there was a line. I want Paul to sneak into a promo that Brother Theodore had, which he, he was like, he goes, um, my, my, my winter is hotter than your summer. My fall wilder than your spring. And I was like, that's fucking amazing. And Paul was like, in all caps, he wrote, I know. Like when he texted me back, he was so, we were breaking down. He's like, what about this? And he, and I was like, we were just quoting it for like 12 hours. Uh, Can you picture Paul Heyman, by the way, having like a ventriloquist sack or act or something as a kid? Oh God. No, he would, you don't need it. Juggling. Puppet, no, I, here's what Paul would have. He'd have the ventriloquist doll that does not talk because Paul talks for it. <laughs> if the doll. What a great act. Paul, wouldn't it I be? I love that. If Paul, if the doll act. would just slowly look around the room, menacing wise, and Paul, like right now, people can't see you, and I'm taking my hand like a puppet and just kind of scanning the room, and Paul would just be like, let me tell you about Pinocchio, my good sir. If a whale cannot contain my client, you certainly have no chance. Uh, but Paul was out there for a while. He was. Before he spoke, I thought he was dead uh, at first. What? Because he didn't talk at as long as I've ever seen Paul not talk on TV or his phone battery was running out. You knew I had to get it in there somehow. But um, <laughs> but a, a, then we that Joe showed. But if there's one person who can do that, it's is Miz that can carry that segment. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. I was interested in seeing. And they did a really good back and forth. We talk about balls a lot again. That kind of picking up from last you week. You have to testicle yeah, stuff. Um, and did you think they had good chemistry, guys? Like uh, to me, I I enjoyed it, but it was different. It felt like you go, I go, you go, I go, which I guess I, is how it has to be. With I two think it was designed like to feel uncomfortable because it's. Yeah. I mean, there's no question that Miz is great at what he does, and Paul is great at what he does. The mm-hmm. big question was is Riddle going to step up and join them and meet them where they're at? And he did. Uh, I was very pleased to see Riddle stepping up with a main event style promo. Um, he stayed within his limitations, but he, he cut a very effective promo against two of the best in the business. But yeah, I don't see Miz and Paul becoming an act uh, <laughs> together. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's a little bit like it's two lead singers. It's yep. a, if you had Bon Scott and Brian Johnson and they're looking at each other going, you, I sing, you sing. Um, but, uh, I love, I love the thing. We haven't talked about this yet. When Riddle kicks off the sandals that every week, you know, that he puts up like a poll or on the, I think on Twitter, he asks people mm-hmm. to send him suggestions for what, whenever, uh, Riddle kicks off his sandals, that's, that's when you know. So this is the new tearing, tearing of the shirt from the eighties. It's now it's, oh, when Riddle kicks off the sandals, uh, things are getting real and he can kick them into the crowd, but they have this animation that comes up and sometimes it's like pterodactyls and sometimes it's giraffe kangaroos how awesome would it have been if it was a bunch of paul Heyman's running like from <laughs> like through the air oh they should do that well that's a they new gag by the way because for a long time it was, CG, it was cgi it. doves so it was cgi doves for pretty much the whole duration and then recently it has become whatever the whatever the fans are pulled dude i would i would i would laugh for half an hour straight uh, if they just if they did that, or if they had, or a little deep cut, if you had the walrus, if you had some walruses come flying out. <laughs> but they need that. But like, but that would be such a fun little Easter egg for fans, that, and a joke Paul could be in on. But I would just love if that something like that happened when Riddle, because this Friday on SmackDown, 8 p.m. on Fox, uh, it is Riddle versus Roman 
reigns with a stipulation. Yeah, a big stipulate, which is uh, you can never go after the title. I'm I'm now being very careful with my my, my words. I'm afraid I'm going to say belt or fight or <laughs> I'm like so I'm I'm trying to summarize this and with the words, the only words that I can choose it's, to to use yeah. that I'm allowed to use. And loser ends up at a local medical facility. Um, yeah. No, the the there's some real opportunity there for long-term booking. If they are looking mm-hmm. at a, an Orton Roman Reigns program and you have the tag team partner waiting in the wings, can't challenge Roman if he loses to Roman, but can challenge Randy. Very, very interesting to see what they do down the road. And then uh, it was a, it was great. A lot of buildup, which then led us into one of the street profits losing again. So, uh, can I ask a question though? Like, and it's an old school question. Uh, So we had Montez versus Jimmy Uso, and each of their respective. You know who's going over, and it's not going to be the baby face, so it's not. But so we we had their respective tag team partners as managers. Why can't a tag team superstar compete as a single star with the partner just sliding into that manager role, like the old school Heart Foundation, the Legion of Doom, DX? Like, why does, why does the tag team have to split up? Why can't we have the other superstar just slide into the managerial role? It's just, it, it, that is one thing that I hope that they get out of as far as predictability. You don't have to split up a tag team if one guy's clearly the, the single star. And they keep True. doing it. Well, because, but then you're sacrificing a tag team. Like, the tag team division already needs so much help as, as it is. Why would you? But why that's, would you, they're never going to get that help. No. So Vince there's there's always the going meeting, to be a superstar at a tag team. Unfortunately, said in the meeting, it's like you're paying for twice twice the talent for sometimes half the match. That was a that was a blunt. I don't know that he meant to say it quite like that because he didn't mean to sound disrespectful. But there was one row where it was like God, it was like every he was like God damn two thirds of tag team matches. But until they can get to that place, until they can get to that place, I mean, the tag team division does help cultivate that. And I think I'm personally feeling like they don't have enough tag teams. That's a Triple H thing. Yeah. Triple H was the one that built up that division in the mid to like 2014, sometime 2014, 2015. He was big in building up the women's division and the tag team division. That was his. I think we need that back. Honestly, no, I really do. Because right we had now some I'm great. Gosh, remember when the they had the Shield and the Wyatt family clashed a couple times, and that first time they were in the ring was electric. You had two uh, three man tags. There's AEW. There's talk of have they done this yet, Tom? Of having a, a like a a triples tag team. Yeah, they're still talking about it. It's it hasn't happened just yet. But remember back then the the era that you're talking about with WWE, the revival was in WWE at that time. That was a pretty stacked tag team division. Yeah, well, and then, you know, it's one of those things where Hunter less and less and less and the tag teams go away. But at least they weren't playing Quidditch with the Viking Raiders. Quick question I thought of last night that I always wanted to ask. I would like to see that, though. I would like to no, see don't, the Viking Julie, don't. Play it's a principle. I actually, it's a maybe against a, think about it, he's an electronic do it. spider, maybe? Oh, I don't no. know. Um, so, Viking Raiders, do you think Vince thought that up when he was watching football and just like took a shortcut, the, that tag team name? Viking Raiders. 
They'll have Combined a fatal four-way. I didn't even realize that until you said it. Oh my God, you're right. It is two football with the team. Brown Packers. What the fuck are you laughing at? What? What's so funny? What Eric and Ivar came in as like a corporate gimmick. They came in like with their hair slicked back and <laughs> neatly oh, yeah. trimmed beards. Yeah. <laughs> you guys One are the Viking Raiders. Was, remember Cor- <laughs> <laughs> Remember Corporate Kane and his his title was just Director of Operations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I laughed Beautiful. every time he came out during that. Just at that, like my dad went to see Airplane with my mom in 1980 in movie theaters. My dad was a pilot. And so he, everyone's laughing at like the crazy airplane shit. He laughed like when they had one of the jokes, I guess, was they were showing an airliner and then they had a military engine sound. So it was like a regular plane with the, and my dad thought that shit was the funniest part of the movie. Like all the little, (laughs) and then when they did the instruments joke, he was like, oh, that's great. That's whenever Kane was director of operation, because I'm not, I was, everyone can look it up. I was working in an office at the time where we were going from one time slot to the next and everyone was getting new titles and stuff that didn't mean anything. So I just always laughed at Kane's. I'm the director of operations. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like you're so, are you the CEO of the company? Cause that's what director of opera, like that to me was always, but speaking of names, uh, then we have a, he's got a new name now, Seth Franklin Rollins. Oh, Did yes. you guys see that? Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> By the way, that was beautiful. Seth Franklin Robin, Rollins backstage, he looked like he was interviewing for the Judgment Day. Like, what was up with that? He had a very, very Judgment Day inspired suit. Yeah, that's true. And then when he came out to wrestle, he's in regular gear. And, you know, I realized who Seth is. He's our aunt that comes to Thanksgiving. And then she passive aggressively leaves her coat on at the dinner table. You know, and then you go, uh, hey, uh, Gwendolyn, everything OK? Uh, yeah, it's fine. Just keeping I should have known to warm wear a sweater. That's how it feels like he just. But it, then he comes because he, he's dressed crazy and it's time to wrestle. It's time to be on the show. And he's like in regular gear. And it's like, oh, OK, so you just dress super crazy the rest of the time. Did you guys notice backstage. also that uh, Corey Graves was cosplaying it Seth, as Seth Rollins as well? He had like a Kentucky Derby inspired blazer on for some reason. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was an odd one. Um, but uh, we also had Liv and Alexa. It looks like they might be a team. I still like my idea. I, I like the scary twins. Scary twins. Scary twins. Like I'm going to say something nice about Alexa. Oh, go for it. Yes. We want to hear it. Best yeah. outing since returning. She was oh, really great. she was really inspired. I think part of that is getting to work with Nikki Ash who Nikki A.S.H. is, she brings out the best in pretty much anybody, but her and Alexa are friends, and you could tell there was a little extra mustard on that match with her. Uh, she can have a good match with anybody. Uh, uh, Nikki, Nikki is Nikki one A.S.H. of the, yeah, she's one of the best people that I got to work at at WWE. I, and I only got to work with her maybe twice, and her heart is so big, and her energy is so wonderful, and her enthusiasm and her kindness really, really show through. I really enjoyed working with Nikki. Yeah, she's a pros pro. She reminds me of uh, Molly Holly like that, in that she always has a good match, just total professional. Uh, it comes through the screen. But also, Molly I thought Holly that was that a superhero worked. for a while, right? What's that? Mo- Molly had a superhero gimmick, right? She did. Yeah, because she, she, uh, she was kind of partnered with the Hurricane. That's right. Mighty Molly. Also, 
he's uh, Shane Helms. I got a shout out. He is uh, Julie, one of the nicest people, right? Shane Helms, uh, great, great dude. What's up he with is. that? What's up with that? Somehow we always wound up parking next to each other, and oh, uh, really? I would. I literally, it hurt my elbows to not, because he would go, here we are again. And I was just like, don't say what up with that. Just don't do it. <laughs> and I never did. I was just like, uh, it was just like whenever we had a hospital thing, and it was like, don't say bedpan, don't say bedpan. And then Vince was always one that was like, what if I get hit with a bedpan? <laughs> you're like, ah, I should have said uh, bed. <laughs> but Shane Helms, great guy. Um, Glad he's uh, back uh, with the company, and uh, he's on TV a lot, too. Uh, break- hey, Curtis Axel, too. Did you guys see that a couple weeks yes. ago? Breaking up brawls. Breaking up brawls. That's Him what and a, and a Davari. That should Not- be a giveaway. They should have a thing like a sweepstakes where you get to break up a brawl. <laughs> or wh- which that, Davari gets oh, to break up brawl. Oh, that's a really good idea. Uh, that might, it? you might, you, <laughs> do you know how many people would... No, do you know how many people would be willing to? I mean, granted, they'd have to go through an immense amount of bump training, but still, I would do it. Right, it'd be uh, really yeah, fun. That would actually, yeah, that would be a fun thing to do because like it sounds it is like all, fun all until you realize that the pull uh, apart one it's of those, brawl, yeah, apart. one of those pull aparts was what pulled uh, Cody Rhodes's peck off the bone. Oh, so yeah. I don't know. That's I where can't. that happened. Oh god, yeah. uh, not so fun for, now, huh? Oh, Come god, back from no, COVID, no. I ruin everybody's See? time. Hey, speaking of coming back, do you know who's coming back next week? Who's coming back, John? Tell me, tell me. Walk with Elias. I'm going to post that on Instagram. I found this picture on my phone the other day. I was at Raw 25 uh, with a, a former boss. Um, cut a promo, uh, Elias did, towards this person. I have the picture. I, I'm going to post it on Instagram of Elias looking like right at us. And just with that mean thing. but. Uh, apparently our old friend Elias is coming back next week. Ezekiel, who's Elias's twin brother. Correct. Yes. Everyone seems, I believe it. Um, he is, um, he's, he has teased the return of his brother. I'm so excited. Are they facing off against each other? No, it's just, I think it's just Elias going to be there. Right, Tom? I think so. Did you guys notice, by the way, before that announcement, before the announcement of Elias next week, did you notice in that match? So it was, it was Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel, and it ended in a, a KO tantrum at the end. But uh, there were a lot of really nasty bumps in that match for Monday Night Raw in Kansas. Like it was a really pay-per-view level, like intense match. Ezekiel even busted out the Razor Ramon sack of shit throw on, uh, oh, yeah. on Kevin Owens. I mean, it was, there was some serious bumps in and out of the ring and I'm watching it going like, why are they doing this? Why are they going all out? And it was, but it was effective because it definitely, it popped the crowd and kept them live. They were live all night. Ezekiel's over, dude. Yeah, it's working. When that first started, happy to be wrong. And why I'm one, one of many reasons I'm not there is that I saw But if you showed me that idea, I would have been like, fuck you would have been my response. But yes, but you know who's partly responsible is Kevin Owens and his tantrums. Yep. That's what's gotten it over. Second it- straight program where Kevin's been doing a one-sided feud, basically. Just yep. like stirring shit up. First it was no Austin at all. Now Ezekiel's trying to be his friend. And he's like, oh, it's crazy. It's, Did you see? He's George Costanza. He's a, that's who Kevin Owens' character is right now. He's the Twix guy. Uh, Ezekiel's the Twix guy. And KO is George Costanza. 
And it's a one-sided hatred thing. It's working great. Did you see the digital exclusive where Kevin Owens gets cut off? They're like, you've been talking about this too much. The interviewer is like, where it was for Raw Talk, I think. And then they're interviewing Becky Lynch later in the show. And Kevin is just slumped in the corner pouting. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did. <laughs> and they're like, All right, Becky is the one who turns over and he's like, are you OK? And he's like, no, Becky, I'm not OK. <laughs> this, it but was, also it the, was really great. It was great that she was so pissed. And then her concentration she, was broken by like, what is his deal? <laughs> I love like, dude, that is some great shit. Like, they are really good. Tides are turning, I feel, with SmackDown and Raw. I, th- I think everyone's saying that. that like, I agree. And I just, really... I like how fun uh, Becky Lynch and Asuka and, like, the chaos yeah. of the 24-7 title. I'm really okay with all of this. I wanted to call back to that, by the way. So, in the Dana Brooke-Becky Lynch non-24-7 title defense, I, get, I don't know how you would describe it, because Becky apparently didn't want the title. Um, I've always yeah. loved the mid-match promo that you yep. rarely see it, but I've loved that since you guys remember Bad News Brown. He cut one. I remember Bad News he, Brown. He cut a mid-match promo on Hulk Hogan on Saturday night's main event that was unbelievable. He just kicked the crap out of Hogan to the point where Hogan was nearly immobile, and he cut the infamous Is This Your Hero promo on the Hulkster and I'll never forget it. Cause it was just one of those things where it's like, Oh shit, he's going to beat Hogan. He's, he's going to be the guy that beats Hogan. Cause it was so effective and bad news was not only so legitimate in the ring, but his character was remarkably consistent. Like always just a badass. How many he times cut do you this think- long promo on Hogan and then missed his, he missed his uh, finishing maneuver. He missed the ghetto blaster on Hogan. How many times do you up. think Titus watched that one after WrestleMania last year? Just a, <laughs> just a bad job. Oh, but, um, uh, but Becky cutting one promo. of those mid-match promos was great. I loved it. My favorite mid-match promo, and you, you don't see it a lot because there was a fan incident that happened right after, but CM Punk didn't wrestle, fought. It was an unsanctioned fight. Fought Vince McMahon. CM Punk and Vince McMahon actually fought on Raw in, I believe, 2012. Yep. And my favorite was that. Punk went over and uh, Punk went over and grabbed the headset and said, what a maneuver and then kept beating up that like that was my favorite that like man how things have changed in 10 years that they were at a place that they could pull that spot off and um not so much now but then we closed the show last night with a pose down that is some old school uh 80s vince booking and um there's just such a silliness to a bodybuilding pose down in wrestling like it does bring back, again, 80s memories. It brings back the ultimate warrior no-selling tanning oil being sprayed into his eyes by ravishing Rick Rude, which, by the way, one of the all-time greatest feuds. Look up Ultimate Warrior versus Ravishing Rick Rude. They never had a bad match because Rick Rude wouldn't allow it. He literally, just, like, Rick Rude was slightly smaller than the Ultimate Warrior and much, much tougher, like a legitimate Golden Gloves boxer, legitimate tough man like arm wrestling champion could beat up almost anyone in the locker room. Hulk Hogan was afraid to work with Rick rude because Rick rude would have kept him in line and he kept warrior in line and they made, made their matches excellent. But that's what it reminded me of was the great pose down where ultimate warrior was flexing and Rick rude 
sprayed him in the eyes with tanning oil and the ultimate warrior no sold the oils being sprayed into his eye. Like I think opened his mouth to actually like drink the oil, but it was just such a silliness to it. I, I, I don't, I don't care about the bodies. I care about the smiles. Bobby Lashley's adorable little smile the entire time that theory was up there. He stole the show. I could, I couldn't even look at theory. I was looking at, Cute little Bobby Lashley smile. I don't know. I was endeared and I loved it. And can I just say, like, I grew up a bodybuilding fan. It's what I wanted to do. My genetics won't allow it. Um, But to see these two guys, both of them are in better condition than most of the bodybuilders that I grew up idolizing. I mean, just ridiculous condition for both guys. Uh, So it's, it's laughable to think that there's really a winner and a loser considering there's a Pretty big what? weight gap between the two. What if uh, Bobby but, took uh, Theory's car- phone and he started taking selfies for a week? Oh, I'd love that. How great do would that. that be? Yeah, do Bobby that. Do Bobby's very like charismatic. He's so personable. Guy. Like, what a that, great... so that might be interesting. Here's Nikki the question, though. Bobby Lashley's up there for me with one of my favorite people that I got to work with. This yep. That's a long list, though. What does this feud do, though? <laughs> It's it's real. It's a, this is it's a, a dangerous it, feud for both guys. I because think it's a stopgap, and I don't think they're. I, I think something else is going to come along. Kinda well, like La- Lashley is kind of falling point. into Drew McIntyre territory in that he's gigantic and legitimate and unstoppable, but not champion and not in he's the in championship though. mix right now. So it's like I know it's a placeholder feud, but it's like how do you get out of it without destroying what you're doing with theory? while also not hurting Lashley. It's kind of a, I wouldn't have picked this feud, but it's, it's certainly enjoyable. Both performers are great. Well, as we saw with uh, Cody Rhodes, you never know when you're going to need to step up. And so maybe, there's, maybe that's the opportunity. But if people want to see uh, CM Punk and what he's doing now, that is every Wednesday night on AEW Dynamite on TBS at 8 p.m. And then Friday nights at 10 p.m. on TNT, it's AEW Rampage. And of course, as always, if you want to check out Monday Night Raw, it is at 8 o'clock on Monday nights on the USA Network. And then there's Friday Night Smackdown, Friday night at 8 o'clock on Fox. Big title match this week. Riddle versus Reigns. I think Reigns is going to win. I'm going to go out on a limb. Guys, it's all about confidence when you're alone with your consensual partner, right? Sometimes stress, anxiety, or a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun for both of you. BlueChew.com, it's here to help. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because BlueChew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Here's what I'm paying. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code TURNBUCKLES at the checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code TURNBUCKLES to receive your first month free. Dinner is unavoidable and that it's something we plan around almost every day. When you think about the time that goes into deciding what to eat, shopping, preparing, and cooking dinner, it can really add up. And sure, alternatives like takeout and delivery are convenient. 
but they can quickly burn a hole in your wallet. Enter EveryPlate, America's best value meal kit. As the easiest way to eat affordably, EveryPlate offers delicious dinners that won't break the bank. Plus, we have a discount for you that we'll get to in a minute. At first, I was skeptical, thinking meal kits might be expensive, but now I'm convinced you can get the same deliciousness at a much lower price. Not much of a cook? Not a problem. Every plate recipes come together in just six simple steps and are done in just about 30 minutes or less. You'll learn how to make a ton of different recipes, practice cooking techniques, and save money all at the same time. I've tried it. It's delicious. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TURNBUCKLES179. That's $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code TURNBUCKLES179. Hey, there's been a lot of talk lately about dirt sheets. So we thought, why not have an online wrestling journalist come in and talk to us? So Julie and I sat down with a good friend of ours, Kevin. Kevin Kellum from Sportskeeda in Chicago, Illinois. Tell us all about what he does every day and the process behind it. So here's our interview with Kevin Kellum. How you doing, Kevin? Welcome, Hey, Kevin. John. Hi, Julie. Nice to see you guys again. It's Good so to nice see you to on see your you. show. On your yeah. show. Yeah, you thank you for having us on. That was <laughs> really you. fun. Yeah. Um, I And uh, so, boy, uh, it's an interesting time to be uh, doing what you do. Uh, yeah. But give us some insight. <laughs> How did you get into working for Sports Kita as a wrestling journalist? Well, it, it's weird because uh, I want to say like, oh, five, like podcasting is relatively new. And there's just podcasts. There's some about sports and there's some about some nerdy things. But like the idea that you would actually have a huge audience wasn't there. And this is like, oh, five, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm in college and I was already at a college radio station. I said, this, this is going to be a newer thing. I could see like eventually the way I saw like YouTube was picking up super, super fast in college at the time. And, and then I, I knew people that were like starting to do shows on there and stuff on there. And I was like, well, we can do a radio show. I know we could do a radio show. And we could easily podcast it. We did it as a podcast first. It did so well that the college radio station said, this is WXV, St. Xavier University. They said, you guys want a slot, like a live show? And then we did that. And then the wrestling promotions got involved and like local wrestling promotions, like we can like Ring of Honor would send us tickets all the time. And awesome. I, WWE wouldn't look at us, but I remember like the first week we were on was like the week that WrestleMania 22 was running the Allstate Arena. So, and that grew and we did that through college all the time. And I stayed around wrestling media stuff as I was working in radio and comedy. I, my other thing was always doing some type of wrestling media job. I was with WrestleZone for yep. several years. And then uh, last year, kind of right before WrestleMania, made the jump over to uh, Sports Key to the number one sports personal app. Very specific phrasing you have to say in all of <laughs> India. Uh, and so they have a huge platform. They have a lot, a lot of fans all around the world, all English speaking. And they wanted, you know, some type of host and personality and stuff like that. Uh, I coordinate some reporting. I've done some reporting. Uh, I'm more on the hosting side, right. which I kind of like because I feel like I, I don't aggravate people nearly as much doing because <laughs> yeah. I still do stuff because uh, we'll get to this at some point. I do work in independent wrestling and kind of like on camera as a part of the production, the actual presentation of the show and like the creative focus of what we're doing A-A-W. at a different scale in Chicago. A dub, a dub, number one independent. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So like there's times where the people will be like, you guys ran that story. And I was like, there's 150 people that write for our website. I'm, I'm, I get to do some cool stuff and, and do some voiceovers on 
the top five Hell in a Cell matches and, and, and do, write some jokes for it, stuff like that, too. So, but I have done the reporting stuff. This is a hard time in the, in the though, because with the internet exploding so much and people are able to consume it so, so, so fast, a bad story can get out there very, very quickly. And, and, um, and I get it. And there's some accountability on that, but at the same time, there's a desire for it. There's a desire for this like 24 seven news cycle. That's just about wrestling. And, you know, even when I started doing this stuff, like, I was like, no, it's just something you look at like here and there a little bit. Now you, you could nearly go with a website. 24 seven around the clock, you know, that's kind of crazy. But then you think about ESPN was doing it and people like, you know, what was that bit in anchorman? Like an all sports <laughs> network. Yeah. It's just all sports. It's like kind of like the same idea. Yeah. And, and to me, it's like, I work in radio, but I'm doing much more stuff in wrestling than sure. I am radio. And I tell my parents that, and, and they're like, really? And I was like, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Cause radio, kind you of get surreal. a shift and that's it. And you know, yeah. radio shifts, it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of pressure in a short amount of time. And then wrestling, as Julie and I know, it's kind of, it's like the weather. It's like a thunderstorm. It kind of just lingers and you don't know when the avalanche. And then it all comes at once, especially the news cycle. Like I remember this is unfortunate um, when the releases happened in the pandemic, those were very big stories to cover. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of fans that care and they, they don't want it to happen, but they want to know and they want to have a conversation about it. I remember doing one and we were doing it and we could see that like we had like 2,500 people watching the show. Uh, it was live and we're like, Oh, okay. So, and you don't want to say like, Oh, it's a great day at work. Cause you're just covering this like awful story, but yeah. the demand for it is like really, really high. And then you get to do some awesome stuff. Like sports Kita gets a lot of attention. WWE says, yes, we'd like to have you at a press junket and you do a good interview and WWE likes you do good interviews with their guys. So yes, we would like to do interviews. Can we please have the, the, the bearded bald guy? And, and uh, <laughs> yes. Cause it really Actually, narrows yeah. it down. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of that, you did. You recently interviewed someone who taught me a lot uh, while I was at WWE and uh, one of the best performers in WWE history, in my opinion, um, Paul Heyman. Um, Presumably, to- would you say, could you, could you, <laughs> could you rephrase that? Correct. I'm right. I went to go do the interview and I said, he is the manager of, uh, he's, no, I'm the counsel. special counsel. Come I'm on. the special counsel. And Oof. I knew and immediately I was like, okay, I did. I had some of my notes of things I need. I wanted to get on as like wrestling journalist, but I was immediately, I was like, we're going kayfabe. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm going right for, I'm going right for the storyline. I, I want to sell characters. I want to sell cool stuff like that. Uh, and then he just gave me this just golden, just this golden coin of a line. Cause obviously a lot of fans want to know when we're going to get a Roman Reigns playing the rock johnson match and i think it's fair to ask him that and, and uh, i think he's game to talk about it uh paul is not afraid of asking questions like that and also giving you very provocative answers that are entertaining and also enlightening uh about yes uh, i do think this this has to happen because it's such a big match but it's really it's it's really not a fantasy for roman it's a fantasy for, for <laughs> i was like Ooh. oh and then he said this, this is the best line. And I loved it. I remember I, he said it and my hand was off camera like this, the same type of setup off camera. I'm just like, <laughs> my, my hand is down here. I'm like, thank you so much. It's such a good line. Yeah. And he says, it's a masturbatory fantasy to think that that could become real. He, and, I, and, I, and I was just like, yeah. His use of language, I would yes. say is one of the most unbelievable he he can he can tell a story like no one else can tell a story and then on the spot can come up his his vernacular his his the way he's he says anything it it really is 
it's really great to see live. I'm so glad you got that experience, Kevin. I it am. was, and it, and it felt special. Yeah. But I'm also like talking to him in his car, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so there, there's this part of me and he's doing a press junket. So he's doing like 10 of these in a row, you yep. know, um, for a loop of different shows. This was booked through radio and obviously we're benefiting at sports, you know, all these different things. So um, there's things I have to hit. It wasn't dry. Sure. Was there's things I have to hit digitally. So there's fundamentals in it. And I'm thinking it, but in the back of my head, I'm like, he just gave me gold. Okay. Like I have to, that is such a great way to, to like make this feel like to kind of like take the edge off of it. Cause mm. he has to kind of like, yeah, maybe, maybe the match doesn't happen. You know, yes. maybe, maybe, maybe we don't get a rock, you know? So it was kind of entertaining and entertaining in the way that he did it. And he's very crafty and he's hyper. I don't think there's a more talented non in ring guy in wrestling in terms of like a performer that you never got to see maybe him and Bobby Heenan, you know, yeah. and, yes. you know, in terms of like, but Bobby was a wrestler though, too. I mean, Paul's gotten in there and gotten beat up a handful of times. Obviously yeah, but, I've seen it. He's, I, I <laughs> was there when he got tombstone by uh, the undertaker. I was at that show that in Boston in college and I brought that up and I thought like, cause like Paul Heyman, like he's done a billion things and halfway through me saying that he spun around. And he went, I hated that. Cause I guess he, they didn't get time to rehearse the bump. And uh, yeah, there was some, I'm not going to, there's some stuff I can't go into, but there was some, <laughs> Paul had a moment when he got backstage that even he admitted to, but it's interesting you bring that up though, because, you know, do you know in advance if you're doing kayfabe or if it's going to be out of character or do you just kind of have to get when, when I'm interviewing somebody? Yeah. Like, do you know um, ahead of time? Sort of. Uh, I mean, I mean, and some of them have been, there's especially the last three years, like right before the pandemic, there was a bunch of big interviews I got and then they started to pick up again once, especially with WWE and most PR offices with the major promotions started to say like, okay, we can put people on zoom. This is, we have to do this. And yep. that became a little, your, your access, your level of access. So really became easier. Like everyone's on it now. Right. So once that happened, oh, there was that, but the in-person interviews, those are the most challenging because you're right in front of the person and it's formally filmed. I remember I did one with Seth Rollins and the day before I think we're just shooting it for Q101 radio that I was working with at the time. And we were going to run it on WrestleZone. And um, they, they didn't want it on the morning show for some reason. I was like, this is a huge star. Like they're selling out the all Arena in four days. He's like, I think my boss was saying, he's like, I think this will be a bigger deal for us digitally. And it'll be a bigger deal for you to do it too. And, and WWE and the client would like you to, you know, do the interview. I was like, sure. You know, I, I thought we were going to do it on air. It was fine. So I'm just dealing with that shift and we're filming it in the same space where we have like bands perform and stuff like that, like our little area. And the day before I get told another curveball, WWE is going to film this. They're going to film you as you're doing the interview. I was like, are they using the interview? Like, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just like, what? Okay. And I get there and they're filming everything. And it's for 365, the special they did on the network. And they got me and it, it was the whole media tour he did that day. So it wasn't clear to me exactly what it was doing. And they used a big line from it. It was really, really cool. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know Seth well, but I knew him from AAW and I knew him from independence. So I kind of sat down. I was like, hey, how are you feeling? I kind of get a read and kind of know what we're doing. Two days before I had Lacey Evans, the second I walked into the room where we're filming interview, she is all dolled up. It is a character. I'm getting Lacey the Evans. And then once we did the interview and lights were off, she turned, she's like, was that good for you? I was like, yes, it was great. Did you, did you feel good about that? I was like, was I selling for you? Good. She's like, did great. Good business. And I was like, great. So with her, it's like, I knew right away with him. I was like, what are we getting here? And then the CM Punk stuff was going on around then. And he was jaw jacking with punk. And I was like, all right, I'm going to bring up the punk. And like, Can I bring up the thing? And it was right before we were going to film. He goes, please do. And I, and I did. And then he told me he wanted to wrestle CM Punk at WrestleMania. And I was like, 
And it's another like hand at the side. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like, you go for that for the great gift you just gave me. Yeah. And it's cool, but it's also like you do that out of respect. You know what they gave you. And and you you kind of you still have to do the fundamentals. We're plugging a show where this is important. We're we're doing this to market and promote something to get fans that would care about this be like, oh yeah, I get to watch and talk for 20 minutes. And god damn, I want to see someone body slam that guy at the Rosemont Horizon on Saturday this or Sunday or All State Arena, you know. Yeah. Um, so you still have to think about the promotional things. And I do think there's a lot of people in wrestling media that forget that, that it's all about the dirt. No, we're an extension of promoting the shows week to week and the storylines and other stuff like that too. I have no problem with that. I have right. zero problem. There's so well, many people that do. I'm like, that's what why? I'm, why would you be so mad about like well, talking? That's what to I want to get into. And you, you talked about CM Punk as he would call them. He's, he's got a word he's been using for them on Twitter, old heads. And uh, they're not as necessarily as enamored with uh, the wrestling press. Um, no. How do you feel when you hear that? Because it seems like every podcast, every episode of every podcast, and we know who they are, you know, mm-hmm. they're the, the former, they very well respected, highly accomplished pro wrestling executives who now have podcasts. People get mad about people kicking out of pile drivers at, at a one count, like that type of thing. Yeah. But like okay. also, but just talking about every, every episode, there's, there's, they, they, they dig at the quote dirt sheet guys. Now it's like a built in part, like a built in segment. Yeah, but, of the the, but then the whole script of the show is built on dirt sheets. So, well, how does that make you, script, how does that make you show feel? Is built on, like, well, this was actually reported in the, you know, we're going to talk about a show from 1995 that you produced and it, yeah. featured it. That's true. And, That's uh, a good whole, point. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? If it weren't for the dirt sheets, what the hell would the you be talking about? Or, or, or the observer from that year, you know? So you're literally um, like, yeah, you're the librarian that, that shits on the historian basically like can you believe this nerd over here keeping track of what temperature it was on the 4th of july and then a year later does anyone remember what the temperature was and you know it's like (laughs) it's just like okay but like what would you say say i mean have you ever encountered someone like jim Cornette? have you ever encountered someone like i've I've, I've interviewed jim Cornette. i was at a i was at a different website i work for a website now where his he's not his not his best friend right definitely not his best friend uh, Vince Russo produces content with you. And, and Vince has his opinion, and I, I don't agree with Vince Russo, but I think he's, he's accomplished things. He's a very formidable writer and the things sure. he did in WWE. And then everything else that you could say about him, that's true too. Fine, whatever. I have no issue with Vince. But I know I probably wouldn't have, because of the, I'm on the same platform and same website as, as Vince Russo, I don't think I'd be having another conversation with Jim Cornette. And there's no shot at Jim. When I did talk to him, I was supposed to have a 15-minute conversation and um, it was a 30 minute conversation where I think I talked for two minutes. Wow. And, and, but also, were you in a Wendy's drive through of- by any chance? Were you taking his over? <laughs> yeah, we, went, we went through twice. We went through twice. Got <laughs> yeah, it wrong. he did. Uh, it was more yeah, of a no, yelling it, at for 28 minutes. Uh, no, but, but I was uh, entertained. You know what I mean? It, it was, he gave me like a wealth of story. It, there was so was many he cool? things. Was he, he nice? Were, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean so especially when. You know, I've had people that are like, you think they're going to be great. And they're not. Yeah. I don't want to say their names, but it, you, you get some people and you think they're going to, oh, wow, this person is going to be awesome. Or you interview them a second time and it's just the day you got them. All right. I'm not down for this today. Okay. You know, or, or it takes a while. I remember I was interviewing that same, the same week I did this Seth Rollins interview, Lacey Evans, uh, Ollie Wrestling was in town two days later and they saw that we did these interviews and then they go, well, here's Chris Jericho and here's John Moxley. There you go. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> like It was like three. It was in like a week. So it was crazy. The job. I helped Chris was, Jericho uh, meet Keith Richards one time when I was working. On oh, that was, how, how, how did that come together? I uh, he, he asked, uh, he said, you guys got Keith Richards coming back tomorrow. I said, yeah. And he said, 
oh, dude, do you think I could come? I was like, sure. And so I He's helped, him, fan, I helped him get signed into the, the building, and then uh, I forgot about it. And then I come down, I was like, what's Jericho? Oh, shit. Like, yeah, I, I thought he was just, like, being, like, you know, like, yeah, I'll see you later. No, he really Was came. this when you were at NBC? Yeah, he really showed up. Okay. He met, it was, like, cool to see a guy I grew up watching meet his one of his heroes, you know? <laughs> That it, I was just like, yeah, I'll just do, just, you know, I called like the desk and I was like, yeah, this guy, you know, it's Chris Jericho. And I'm like, oh yeah, we know who he is. He showed up. It's great. Like he's like, uh, and he was super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie, there's another story, but there's a story going around the media right now. And uh, it's someone we both uh, have crossed paths with and, um, you know, uh, Stephanie McMahon. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, a topic that's come up a lot as of late. Julie, did you see the Business Insider article? On, I didn't. Uh, no, I didn't. There's a, an article that came out. Stuff keeps coming out about it. And people have Meltzer, Dave Meltzer, we should say. First of all, where do you stand on Dave Meltzer? Can I ask you that, I, Kevin? I, I, for me as a reporter, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Because he's like the I think Dave's, go-to. Dave's an accomplished guy, but Dave has his take. Okay. And Dave has his sources. And the things that people are critical about Dave, it's like, fine. Um, but I also think like I do, I'll say that this is the most, this is the worst thing I can say about it. I think there's too much weight put on the, the ratings he gives to matches. And I, I don't, I think he feels pressure in that, mm-hmm. but also I don't think he cares. He's made his own bubble. He's made his own thought. Fo- I mean, he's made his own yeah, channel. Just out of the stuff really, in his like, office. Yeah. And everyone who complains about him is really just trying to, you know, get some heat off of him. You know, I mean, leave the man in his messy office alone, you know, and but he also responds to everybody. He engages on Twitter. Yes. Yes, and maybe don't that's the that. old head thing. Don't do he, that. Like, he, fa- he, he falls for the modern, yeah. the modern uh, landmines that are on Twitter waiting for him. But you know what? Yeah. His responses are always good. Like they're like he's almost like he's got like a Heyman esque presence on Twitter. I would say, is that he? Yeah, he will in an instant just cut a promo on a bot. And I want to be like Dave. You don't have to do that. No, to everybody. <laughs> no. They, they have, no, they have I, negative I, five followers. I like, admire what Dave has created. I admire, yes. I admire, I, I admire what Dave is. Yeah. And he's I think he's a part for, of the universe. I think, also, I think he himself has, if you, if you consider the WWE universe and it's not just the show, it's not Raj, it's not SmackDown. It is, he's an extension of this universe. And does, yeah. does this world exist without a character like Dave in it? I don't know. It, it's will, it's no. fun. I will say the thing that that gets me is when he goes, "Now plans could change, or this could be true." I'm like, "Well, then you're not reporting." That that pisses me off because I'm just like, it feels like just like one of the, the ESPN guys before a basketball game, where it's just like you're just filling 30 minutes. But like the thing I do like about Meltzer, there's a guy in Late Night named Dave Carter. No, there's a guy in Late Night named uh, Bill Carter. He wrote the Late Shift, uh, the the Leno Letterman book. But if you read his stuff, it's it's all praise. Like I call him the bill of goods just because it's all good review. It's just all like, cause that's how but he gets people, his access. Which yeah, is interesting. The major thing with Dave, Dave is people just doesn't give a shit. On something. Dave yeah. just says what he wants. And it's yeah. like, Hey, you know, and he's been doing it 40 something years. So, okay. So there's a quote in this article and it was from someone within, it's a WWE insider. And, uh, the quote they gave was family or family. We've got to get the right people in place. We weren't seeing that growth. Now, Stephanie was the brand officer. We weren't seeing that growth. When someone has moved out of a company, it's usually the result of something not working. We took stronger control of that months ago. Um, so someone obviously planted that. Like someone obviously, it's a WWE insider. <laughs> and uh, they've gone out and they've said this to Business Insider. So it seems very deliberate. 
you're taking a big risk if you're working at that company, right, Julie, to leak it to like a big publication like that. Um, and so has it, Kevin, has anyone ever come to you with something like that and said, I see you kind of, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but to you or any of your colleagues, do you ever just get that random thing from you? Like, holy shit, it's so-and-so. And And they're like, yeah, I want to plant this out there, but don't say it's for me. And I want to kind of, and what do you do if that happens? Uh, We, we've gotten things where we became aware of, I'll I'll be, I'll be clear. This is, I'm not, it's not with the website now. It's with uh, a different website years ago. So Mm -hmm. I've already said what that is. Doesn't really matter. It's already, it's been out for years, Uh, specifically about the return of edge. So, Edge coming back was a very yes. surprising thing. It yes. was building up for a while. A huge had, time. Yes. It was, and were you writing there at the time? Julie? I was writing there when, when it, it was Royal Rumble, right? His big comeback. We knew about it in uh, November. Yes. So the, yeah, the website I was with, it, we knew about so. it in November. So for us to sit on it for that long, it, like I remember we, I can't remember what it was and I wasn't involved in it, but I knew the people that did the reporting and, and how they found out things. And, I was doing a daily show. We had someone who was in Pittsburgh who told us that watching the show reached out to us and like said it. I was like, take that tweet, take the tweet down. Just message me. Like they, they tweeted us public. I was like, please take the tweet down. Here's my email message. And they said they saw him in Pittsburgh. And I knew if they were in Pittsburgh, they were going to Dr. Maroon. He's the head of their medical. And that's where they do medical evaluations. And I know people that have tried out for WWE. And when they have a big, they have to get a pre- pre-signing medical evaluation that's likely where they have to go get a bunch of the tests done so it's like if he's there he's getting looked at or at least there's something going on and he already had he done SummerSlam in toronto and did, got physical at it so people thought like by the way no there? none of the creative uh i believe i was someone told me even ed koski was not aware that he just looked up in a monitor and said is that edge it's yeah, julie when did when did you guys find out he was coming back when you were running on the team there was uh for about 20 minutes there was a list of cleared superstars and edge was on the list and uh, another writer said edge and but we all kind of said i don't think this should be circulating and so it was immediately one of the assistants who were fantastic shredded all that shit and uh i don't think it ever got back to vince but yeah at that point it's like finding your christmas presents like we were just like but it was it 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 was something in good conscience and i do respect the people i worked with at the time who said We've been asked not to put it out until a certain day. That's Obviously, good. we're going to put it out before the Royal Rumble. Why ruin? Yeah, oh, why ruin it? You guys don't. I like yeah, that you do that. Well, I mean, it was going to build up by the time it was going to happen in January. Sure. So, so we were just probably one of maybe two two different sites that knew about it. But we knew the other website. We talked to them too, and they said we're not going to put it out until this date. And you guys don't put it out until that date. And we went to the source and we, we said this is what we think we should do. We can't sleep on this until Royal Rumble. People are going to be talking about it by then too. And he goes, "That's true." Uh, and so we knew. And it was something where, you know, people in wrestling were tired to so see you guys didn't say anything. And it was like, no, we didn't. Who, who do you think and and part of me thought like, oh, what if we did, you know, because we have quarterly goals and hits and all those different things we had to hit on. And that was a quarter business. And we waited. We knew in November we could have closed out the year knowing yeah. this huge story. And we didn't we didn't do it. And but I, that's I was also always not like a scandalous, harm, harmful story. It's a fun story. No, it's a fun, it's a fun surprise. But it's that's a fun story. That it would. It would it would sour something if people knew about it in like like there's a Netflix documentary about a, a just this this horrible uh, man from England who was a DJ Jimmy Savile is his name. And oh, I've heard about that. Oh, Sounds so disappointing. But yeah. that's the opposite yeah. where it was a lot of people had a terrible story where a lot of people were getting hurt and they sat on it. You guys are the opposite. You have a story that's fun. It's a fun surprise. You don't get a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, that said, I got to shift gears real quick. You hear that quote? Family or not family? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were we just weren't seeing that growth. Do you have any theories? Have you have you read any of these quotes? I it's, hard, it's hard to say because I mean, people have played stuff like that to to the press all the time. People have done it with Meltzer. People have tried it. The website I work at now, I I won't say who they are. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so so there's the whole MJF thing was him doing that with websites and stuff like yep. that. And I think it's worth noting what was what did AEW know? What yeah. did they really really know? And that doesn't mean like being critical of them, but you have to ask that question. And do they think they have enough good grace with fans where they think like, oh, we can do this thing where you don't show up for an advertised thing that people paid for. And then we're going to tease for a whole day that you're not going to show up on a pay-per-view if you do. And, and, it's, and it's, it, you're going into a really testy ground when you start to play with sources. And that isn't just me being like, oh, give me the information in the dirt. I work for the dirt sheets and I want to know the real thing. And if you don't, I'm going to know. You're playing in a bad area then. Because when am I going to actually know if I'm getting the real thing? Paul Heyman is like that, but he does it in a very clever way where you, he's always working. You, you know where you stand with him all the time. Well, Other people, as you know, a job I had for uh, about five or s- five years of my nine years working in late night was reading jokes every day. And that's okay. still my day job as a, you know, as a professor now as I, I read people's material. And you learn to identify, turn a phrase <laughs> and word, and I can read something and go, oh, I know who this is. So I'm just going to read that. And something I've noticed is with podcasts, when you listen to someone over and over, you can kind of hear certain ways people put things. So I'm just going to read this yes. back to you and I'm going to say it a certain way and just see if it hurts, uh, hits with anybody. Okay. I'm going to close my eyes and just listen. Well, family or not family, we've got to get the right people in place. Uh, we weren't seeing that growth. When someone is moved out of a company, it's usually the result of something not working. And we took stronger control of that a few months ago. If I said that to you as an impression, would that be a good impression? It's a very subtle, nuanced, like method acting version of Bruce Pitcher. Well, it's, they did like a, the big yeah. thing for me was we weren't seeing that growth. Now, I don't know if it's Bruce. No. It could also be someone trying to sound like Bruce. Sounds like Bruce. That's all I'm saying. But hey, let me put it out there. Someone's trying to bury you then because that sounds like you, Bruce. Like that. I'm just saying. There, there, I, I will say there are people that went to Fightful, Sean Rassap, Millennial Meltzer, as I've dubbed him. Uh, and <laughs> he is. <laughs> That's great. Sean, Sean has great sources and, and is reputable and does his due diligence. Uh-huh. People reached out to him who have been involved with the company before the Nick Khan regime now in WWE. And they made it clear that there wasn't a push from the top for Stephanie to head out that a lot of the reasons that she said she wanted to leave were there, but it's not just one thing. There were some new hires. They noted the performance issues uh, and these improvements were not responsible for exit. Either way, Stephanie reportedly made the decision herself. So it was her call. That's what we're hearing, you know, but there was some pressure. It appears from some other sources who were like, well, if we did push, we're happy that it happened. I hope she buys the Red Sox. That's what I hope. She got the money. (laughs) Kevin, I want to know uh, anyone that you've interviewed who more people should be aware of, someone who you think is underrated that that oh. should really be starting to take center stage based on your interview. She's been a big part of television. I and mean, maybe this is just res- like recency, like a recent thing that hits your head. Um, but I really, really enjoyed talking with Sonya Deville. I thought she was a oh, really, really cool operator. I, I think it, maybe this is just me being friendly to the writer. I think she's a real writer's darling in the sense of like, 
you can give her dialogue and it doesn't sound like it's on the page. You can take things off the page and really run with things. She's different. She looks different. She talks different. She wrestles different. She's believable. She has a credible fighting background. She's legitimate. I also think it's good that you have uh, a, such a strong female character that represents a growing audience that you have in wrestling. You have a young people that are on the spectrum of the gay community, the queer community, the LGBT community, however you want to phrase it. I don't want to offend anybody, but in that community and they want to see themselves represented, but at the same time, you don't want to, um, and you guys, I don't, you guys, the, the talk has been, when is WWE going to introduce an openly out on screen character? And, and she is, but mm-hmm. it's just never, they've alluded. Maybe they were going to do a romance with her and Mandy. I think maybe Julie, were you writing there around time? Like no, that was something I, that I heard fans break fans brought it up. Like, She's like, this isn't like a, this is, this is a different situation. And we got a little bit into more of the things she was doing with uh, pride and different stuff like that, but she could go in and out of the character. She could give me the real scoop and then we could play into the real stuff. I had a really great conversation with her. I thought she was an absolute professional. I do think when you do interviews and you represent the company, you represent a brand. I do. I've interviewed bands and they are awful at selling themselves sometimes. And, uh, and then you interview wrestlers and they understand, okay, I got my date. I got this. I, you know what? I got to push. Uh, and even the ones that aren't great are still better than most rock bands that I've interviewed though too. So I love Sonya. I think she's great. I think she has a great future and can be a, just a great devious heel. I think you need very good villains and she's a good villain. She has such, she has such the sin of pride where she like that old McFolioism of she's, a, she's a really good villain. Cause she doesn't think she's the villain. She really yeah. thinks she's the hero and she's going to do all these awful things, but this is for the betterment. This is, you know, with, with the suit, yeah. she adjusts the suit and I'm, I'm doing this because I have, you know, I, and it's almost unfortunate they don't have her as an authority field ca- uh, character, but I get where those characters kind of get played out at the same time too. So. Um, and then I got to ask you, I'm going to ask you the reverse question. And this is our last question here. Oh, Who boy. is your white whale? Who is your person? Oh, easy, that, yeah. easy. A uh, two, two. Okay. Um, I can say two. Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though he's not an actor for your favorite wrestler well, you, dude, want to your he's you want to talk to you want to talk to your favorite wrestler. just set like, up a Julie. microphone he's doing he's going everywhere right now he's yeah. showing up on fishing shows he's making pie yeah. like he's, he's supposed to he's supposed to have a show on the network at some point i mean he's going to do a talking show with him as well so so i've heard that, that too it's so odd for, yeah because like uh, but he's and like and then the other one is like, hey, i've got kind of this voice and hey how you doing and, and he's uh, super funny like yeah. i met him in the late night world and he's he's just a great storyteller but he still kind of he did it in the Undertaker voice, like because he was just in kayfabe sort of. He'd be like, "Yeah, I remember." We're like, "Oh, Undertaker's funny." And then I heard him like be like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" Like, retired backstage <laughs> when he was retired, and it was like, "Huh?" And he's like, "Oh, that's Mark. Yeah, he's a basketball player." It's like, "Oh yeah, okay." Yeah. <laughs> but so Undertaker's one, and uh, like I said, just put out the, the 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 Taker signal. He'll show up to your house, McMahon. Vince McMahon, of course. Uh, I, I, and I, every time you, I remember when I, the first time you and I talked and we were doing interviews for different things you were doing, I, I wanted a Vince McMahon story. And you told me he just made a note about buying a, like <laughs> building, I'm going to donate a hospital wing. Yeah. Like, like it was like, like it was adding it to his grocery list. You know what I mean? And, and to, but the, like, let me point out yeah. to that though, that there was a look in his eyes. Cause that's a story that's gone around a couple times, but like, it was an earnest look. It was like him being like, I really want to do Like, I really want to yeah. do it. I want to sponsor a hospital. And it was just like such an interesting thing that like, and that, that told, that told me something about him. 
that everyone out there that says it's all negative. I'm like, no, I've seen a very small moment where there was deep humanity there, but he would be your interview. What would be your, what would your first question be? Um, Oh, see that now you caught me. I, exactly. I, I would literally, I would research it crazy. Pal. The thing is, I did like the Rollins interview. I researched it like crazy, but once he he gave me the green light to do, I was like, all right, can we talk about the punk thing? I was like, all right, well, that's the main thing. Yeah. My notes go out the window. You do all the prep for the interview, and then you go do the interview, and then it's just like Paul Heyman gives you, oh yeah, Rock versus Reigns. That's a masturbatory fantasy, sure. and I was just like, oh great, perfect. Like, like I don't. I know what I have to do, but I mean, like anything else I really wanted to dig deeper with is, is harder to, I mean, but it also, it, do you guys get that too? With When you kind of write, like, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But at some point the script is taken from you and the performers run with it. And the producer runs with it. When you guys writing with WWE was it sort of like that. I think interviews with, when you're interviewing someone yeah. specifically and you know, you want to get a cool, engaging, provocative thing, but I want it to be credible at the same time. You don't want to like write something and it just feels like, Here's the thing we got. You put it on, you know, there, there has to be a give and take, right? So you think it'd be more of a casual. You just like to just yeah. set it up. Interesting. Pat McAfee is the bar now with yeah. Vince McMahon interviews. Yeah, that was spectacular. I remember watching that. I was like, how is this not on pay-per-view? Like, like he is, I was, I was the, saying he's the Spielberg of this thing, man. Like he's on another level. Like there's no, there's no one more influential in the history of professional wrestling than him. He has reinvented it five or seven times. Uh, and then also you think about the things he did with media. Like he's made wrestling into this commodity yeah. for so, and he's he made, a, he, people talk about him being agreed. He's made a lot of other people money too. in this whole thing, a lot of other people. Money. And he gives a lot of people, a lot of chances that we've yes. seen, which is, does not exist in most forms of television or media or entertainment. You get one or two. Vince has given some many. Um, and, but also I would urge people to look up Vince's childhood and his life story. And also he was, you know, he was like almost 41 when they did WrestleMania. Yeah. But, so it's like, he's one of those people, especially right now, when a lot of people are changing gear and trying to, as they, as they say on other podcasts, learn a new hold. Uh, that was Vince. He was a 40 year old with kids who was like, uh, well, I'm going to try to do this WrestleMania thing. And, and he said, um, he's had very big public failures and things that didn't work out, but he tried. And as I you know, hey, as I've pointed yeah. out before, I think XFL was, was working. If it weren't for the pandemic, I think he'd have been okay. I still think, I think he yeah. would have sold it too. <laughs> I think that was always the plan <laughs> to, to Ju- as soon as Oliver's deal was up, he's going to be like, eh, that's it. Goodbye. Julia. I've gotten a good Vince story out of John. Can I get a good Vince story out of you? Oh, Absolutely. here we go. My, yeah. my favorite, it's very heartwarming is what it is. Um, oh, I, I like this. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately decided to leave WWE. Um, I, I got a, another gig that was allowing me not to travel during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And it, it just got to a point where I wasn't comfortable traveling anymore. It was August 2020 and we were still going back and forth with Florida. And I got another job offer. And I remember talking to my husband just saying, I think I'd feel more comfortable if I was able to work from home and not travel back and forth, which was a huge bummer because I love writing and I loved the connections I was starting to make and the superstars I was working with. Um, and I was really grateful for the opportunity that I got to work at WWE. And so um, uh, upon my departure, I just wanted to send notes to people who gave me an opportunity and I was really appreciative of it. 
And I just sent Vince a note that just said, thank you so much for taking a chance on me and letting me join your company. And I'm so sorry that I have to go. And I wasn't expecting a response or anything like that. I was in the room with him a couple of times and, you know, we have to send him emails for scripts and updates and he's on everything. Um, So I just assumed I'm just going to send a note just to say thanks. And Vince actually responded and said, uh, don't lose our number. And I thought that was the classiest, kindest response that any person could have sent. I, I was really taken aback by it and felt like that was just the perfect, the perfect answer. What a guy who leaves a door open and, and wants to continue to create relationships and do good business. And I was, I, I will treasure that. I will treasure that for a long and then time. And he immediately called Bruce and said, who the fuck is Julie Hardy? It's true. He probably sends what that to everybody. What the fuck is our number? God damn it. Do we even have phones? The fuck is happening? Do we even have phones? Pitch the recorder bitch with the Kabuki war. God damn oh it. Oh my gosh. I want to be yeah, in the, the spider. Hospital. The spider, the, the robotic spider should have been all my pitches. Uh, Kevin Kellum, if you want to check him out, he's at Sports Key to Wrestling and AAW Wrestling in Chicago. And you can follow him on Twitter where he's excellent. And we always talk back and forth. And Kevin, we have a great time. We do. Uh, we do. It's we at do. Kev Kellum. That's at K-E-V-K-E-L-L-A-M as in mania. Kevin, <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks, Kevin. Come back soon, okay? John, John Julie, Tommy here as well. Uh, and Sean, you're pretty, it's such a special show. It's a fun show. I enjoy listening to it. Thank you, sir. Uh, I know other people that listen to the wrestling business. Like, that's cool. I like that. That's not, they don't talk. There's no, like the things they do talk shit about, like they should talk shit about. The things they don't talk to shit about is like, great. It's a fun refresher. It's, it's a clean show. Tell people clean. to give us some ratings for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's all about ra- let me tell you something conrad it's all about ratings <laughs> give us some goddamn ratings thank you kevin thank you thank so you much, so much kevin. we'll talk to you so soon guys you. Thank appreciate you, it thank you guys this has been a fun one yes what you say? it was so great to have kevin thank kevin you to kevin kellum for joining yeah. us for giving us that interview please come back anytime anytime and thank you for listening to turnbuckles please subscribe give us five stars leave a nice review we would love it thank you Let the writers dress like writers. See ya, buckleheads. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.